the one thing I know is that if you're obsessed with your life, life is so much fun and it offers doors and offers opportunities that you never thought possible because you're more willing to say yes. And you're also more willing to say no, because you know what you're going after. You know, your alignment, you know, your DNA. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the pleasure of having Duncan Littlefield with me today. How are you, sir? How are things in Charlotte? Dude, everything's great. It's uh, it's a beautiful day here in Charlotte, and uh, the office feels great. There's music playing. People are excited. So I got no complaints. I'm thrilled to be here. So thanks for having me. Man, super excited to have you here. Before we dive in, we like to ask people to let the listeners know how folks can get in contact with them. Yeah, the biggest thing for us is like, obviously, you know, we're at the Littlefield Co. on all social. Um, the Littlefield.co is our website. And um, I have a Calendly link there. So, you know, please, one of my big things is I never turned down a cup of coffee, you know, clearly. So, uh, you know, if you want to grab some time, if you if you would love to do that, I would be absolutely honored to meet you on the other side, either in person or virtually right now. And uh, so, yeah, never turn on a cup of coffee and would love to connect. So uh, hit me up and then you got my number for life. And I pretty much pick up the phone when people call me. It's fun. <laughs> That's great. You say that because it is just insane. People say, hey, look, uh, give me a call. And then they don't answer it when you call them. No, it's it's always like my two requests after like meeting somebody that I actually really enjoy and, and want to talk to more and, and kind of develop a real relationship with. It's always like my two requests are like, send me a two line introduction so I can introduce introduce you to people that you actually are for how you want to be introduced. And then the other part is going, you have my number at any point during the day, morning, noon, night, if you're having coffee in the morning or cereal at night, what doesn't matter. Just if I pop into your brain, I'm going, I'd love Dunk's opinion. I'd love uh, the Littlefield Company's like take on this video or whatever it is. If it's a slide, if it's a deck for an investor, whatever it is, then at that point, pick up the phone and call me. And if I'm not in the middle of something, I'm going to answer. And very few people take me up on it. It's shocking. But the people who do, I genuinely enjoy because I do the same thing back to them. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what is Littlefield? Like, what, what do you guys do? And why are you so open to talking to new people? Man, that's a great question. And uh, Littlefield's has evolved. And I think that's one of the coolest parts about it is that so kind of the the biggest story of, you know, arguably our goal at Littlefield is to have 100 companies with 1000 employees in uh, in our ecosystem one day. And that's means global. That means opportunities. That means different types of businesses. It's not just one business that we're recycling. It's going, hey, what do you want to lean into? We, we want to listen to our people and uh, we really want to be an attention engine for today. So uh, that's Littlefield right now. We have four companies under our umbrella. 
and we're looking to expand, we're looking to grow, and uh, we're really excited about it. So um, that's kind of at a high level of what Littlefield is. That's our goal. So before you started a company, what were you doing before? Like, what was the journey like to catching this dream? So my first career, I played professional golf. And uh, I played professional golf for about six years. So uh, left college early to play full time, um, realized that that was the, what I wanted to do with my life. I, my goal was to be the number one player in the world, because if I, if I believed if I reached that goal, I was going to be able to make impact and really didn't know at the time what impact meant or really what impact meant to me. And so that was the goal was I wasn't playing for second. The goal was to be the number one player in the world. And I gave everything I had to it. And as I left the game, um, there was a, a season where uh, it's so funny. I don't know. It's so funny. I've told this story a few times, but uh, I kind of joke that I was very sick and tired of everyone when I told everyone when I was a professional golfer and everybody would respond with like, how's Tiger doing or how's Phil Mickelson's back? I didn't have the answer because the reality is they were playing the PGA Tour and I was playing mini tours and driving my Ford Explorer across the country. So I literally started telling that story as a mini tour player. I was, I told the story about driving from Connecticut to South Dakota and playing one tournament and driving back to Chicago to play another. And so literally I was a nomad living out of my car for almost six years and, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, Looking back at that time, I had time to reflect on who I was as a human. I had time to reflect on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to make impact on the world. And for that reason, I'm super, super grateful. I'm also super, super grateful that I failed at my first career because it wasn't easy and I, and I, I failed. You know, I didn't reach the number one player in the world. You know, shocking. I'd be playing right now if I did. Um, but uh, I'm super grateful that I didn't. So towards the end of it, got on social media, started telling the story, started taking photos. And that's kind of led to my transition into the media space and the content development space. Wait, so there's multiple levels. It's like single A and double A and triple A ball. And then the major leagues, how golf? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. If you relate it to baseball, you know, it's MLB is the PGA tour. And then triple A ball is, or even the European tour is, is like the MLB. Then at that point, AAA is uh, now the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, European has the Challenge Tour. There's the Asian Tour. I mean, there's tours across the world um, that are equivalent. And so kind of in where I played, I played pretty much uh, AA ball, had a couple of chances to play AAA, and, uh, but never made it to the show. And so how does this call go? Mom, I, I'm dropping out of college. Like, how, how, how does – I mean, come on. <laughs> I was lucky. Plain and simple. Um, I think my parents, I, I don't want to, I, I wanted to succeed and I wanted to, I wanted to reach my potential, but I think my parents wanted me to succeed even more. And I say that because like, I have like the greatest set of parents ever. Like my parents, the best thing that they did for me was they always rewarded effort. Yes. Trophies were nice, but when trophies were won with vi- like little effort attached to it, it didn't matter. But when trophies were won, when effort was applied, it was mag like magnified. But even when I finished 10th or dead last, but if I gave everything I had to it, it was, it was everything. I mean, my dad said this thing and suck with me today. It's going like, Dunk, every time your head hits the pillow at the end of the day, you have to take a mental check of going, what's the day that I put in? And are you proud of that day? And I always related that day to effort. It was never rewarded by trophy. It was for a long time, it was, it was mixed between score. 
hey, how did I play today? Which also connected to effort. And I think if I went out to play today as a professional golfer, I would be more prepared to play for some serious money and hopefully reach the number one player in the world than I ever was prepared to at 23. But so kind of looping back to my parents is um, I actually it was uh, middle of my sophomore year in college and I was playing for a division three school and uh, it was just time to go. There, the team was a bunch of guys who were phenomenal human beings. They were good golfers, but all of them had other aspirations. They wanted to be doctors. They wanted to be lawyers. They wanted to be whatever. And I wanted to go. And so there was a time where it was just like we sat down and was like, hey, let's move to Orlando to play full time and see where it goes. And so when I first moved to Orlando, I was still going to school. And then finally, I got good enough and I was traveling enough where I was all I was all of a sudden getting automatically withdrawn from school due to attendance because I wasn't there. I mean, you travel for a week worth of tournaments or, you know, a tournament's four days long, potentially with practice rounds and travel. It's it's a five to six or six to seven day event. And um, if I didn't have a cool teacher, they wouldn't let me to go online like they had to make me be there. And now in today's world, 2020, especially with covid, everybody's forced there. But uh, I was trying to force myself there before and teachers had it and some teachers, uh, most teachers didn't. And uh, so that's kind of like where we said it was a hiatus of leaving college. And uh, I haven't been back in 10 years. So the hiatus is very much stuck. So I guess you decided, hey, I only have a finite amount of time to actually realize this dream. So I've got to go do it now. And that forced you to leave the certainty of going to a good school, getting a good job, working for 40 years, maybe retiring. I have zero backup plans. I always have never had a backup plan. Like that's, that's the goal of this whole thing, right? It's my goal is to be the number one player in the world. If that was my goal, I had to give it everything. There was no opportunity for a, a thought of, oh, you know what? Let me go get an accountant, accounting degree just to be able to sit with. It was always like, nope, like I'm going to live or die by what I put out there. And um, I got to be okay with it. And that was it. Like there was no thought. Like, you know, it's, it's, I was actually, it's actually really funny you bring this up. I was actually on a panel this morning with a bunch of either ex professional athletes, um, Olympians, or like high level skilled athletes, and now all business owners and entrepreneurs. And it was really funny to talk to them because entrepreneurs and business business owners, like strong business owners and athletes are very similar. And there's a lot of ties on how athletes now who are entrepreneurs look at it. But the reality is, is like, how lucky are we? How lucky are we to be entrepreneurs or business owners or do what we love? Because we have no time out. We have no end in sight, right? If you make it to the NFL, an extraordinary achievement but like your time ends at 35. Like you have to sit back here and go, all right, what is the next chapter or what is my next life going to look like? As a business owner, like I'm super lucky that I failed at 26 and a half and recognized that I had 70 years to go do something else and was able to apply the same things that I learned from the golf course and from training and being in the gym and practicing to then be able to execute on the business side. Because reality is for me, it was just effort. I was the guy who always wanted to put in more and uh, super fortunate for that because there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight. I get to do this for the next 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. If I get there, like, and I'd be, I'm super stoked to, 
Wow. So what was the transition from playing professional golf to building Littlefoot? Um, a couple things, actually. So on the back end of playing golf, um, I kind of sat back and like you, like you alluded to, I don't have a degree. Like I can't go to, uh, I don't know, an accounting firm or a marketing firm and go like, hey, I have this degree, please hire me. Or like, please let me interview. Please let me be a part of this. And so what I recognized was I was able to tell a story because towards the end of my career, as I was creating content for me, I was able to partner and like truly as my first clients, I was able to work with some incredible brands. Uh, one of those brands was GoPro. Um, I was able to be really in the driver's seat to look at what content the GoPro team wanted from the golf industry. And I was able to talk to head of sports, head of team sports, head of golf, head of social media at GoPro when they were at the height of their, like they ran Instagram for a while. It was, it was wild. And I was able to learn from them. So when I got out, I was like, okay, what can I do? How can I make a living? How can I feel a passion? How can I see something into a vision? And uh, reality was I just kept telling stories. So uh, I ended up taking on a uh, a photography project and I genuinely showed up with a GoPro. Like I didn't even have a camera. I showed up with a GoPro because that's what I knew. And uh, sure enough, we posted the photos. They came out great. Um, It was fun. It just kept the call it the train moved down the tracks and all of a sudden I landed myself and, and into an opportunity to be passionate about photography. So uh, I became a full-time photographer and I was working with companies and and had great relationships who people believed in me and literally trial by fire. Like I went out and I learned and I, and I came back and learned something from that and failed there and learned something from that. And just kind of, you know, I don't want to say perfected my craft because I'm definitely not perfect. I'm definitely not a, uh, a perfect human being, nor am I a perfect photographer. I don't think anybody is, but um, I had so much fun with it. Then at that point, uh, I was working with startups. I really, really like startup culture. I like building something. I like to be immersed in something. I, I, you talk about the effort that takes. Building a startup takes so much effort and so much sweat equity. But if you look at the game of golf, until you make it to the PGA tour and still after you make it to the PGA tour, it's all sweat equity. It's all what you can do to continue to get better. And that's athletics in general. So I was working with startups and uh, telling their story, being a part of their branding process, being a part of their marketing arm. And uh, a lot of things, kind of a lot of levers got pulled for me where Littlefield was a home run and uh, it's been less than three years and uh, we're growing and we're so excited to be here. Wow. So who showed up to help you along the way? Wow. Great question. Um, A lot of people, actually. Um, I would say, you know, my parents still don't know what I do. Um, It's super funny. We talk about it. I remember like when I got my first office, I remember my dad walked in and he looked around and he was like, you're doing what? Like, that's, that's kind of how he looked at me. And he always was the one where like my office was the driving range. And it's like he could he could connect to that. He could relate to that. But he was always the person that ran divisions of companies. And he's like super successful in his own right. Like he is an incredible mentor. He's an unbelievable human being. But he is he looks at me and he's like, I don't understand how you do what you do. And, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's just a beautiful thing to be able to talk to the person that you've looked up to forever and you've leaned on forever to then at that point go like, I don't understand what you do, but like we can meet in a common ground to be better. So like my, my parents were huge advocates for like huge supporters for me. Um, you know, even like my golf coach, there's so many things that he said to me while training that apply more than ever to business and life right now. 
There are so many people that even like on the photography side where, you know, there's a guy here in Charlotte, his name's Garrett Price. And uh, he took me under his wing as a photographer. And I was super grateful to, to kind of learn some technical photography tricks, but also like the actual, like, you know, like what are waveforms, right? Like the YouTube education right now is so real. And, you know, it's just a matter of people can actually get out of their own way, try something, learn from it, take it back in and go, okay, this is what I want to do with it. And that collaboration, that those conversations are everything. Like those conversations start creativity. Those conversations start collaboration. Those conversations spark opportunity. And uh, it's just a matter of someone's willing to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of them or not. Like the world is an abundance, abundant place right now, even through COVID. And I know COVID is a terrible thing, but the reality is, is that it's still abundant. There's so much potential. There's so much opportunity. It's just a matter of just opening your eyes and not saying I can't. Not saying I can't. I've never heard it put that way. But if, if you look at it, if, if you walk into a conversation and you say, I can't, you never will. <laughs> like it's, it's math. Like you're, you're, I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm claiming right now, full statement, I am not a chemist or I'm not a biological engineer or anything like that. But like when you look at like your brain and how that triggers, right? You talk about positivity, you talk about outlook. It's these big things. The minute you go, I can't. This just flips. Turned off. Turned off. That's why I never say no to a conversation. I never turned on a cup of coffee. There was a book written about saying yes. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of them, probably. The yes experiment or something like that. But, you know, this is like super, super interesting for me. So you make this transition. But Duncan, you go from swinging a golf club to make your living to snapping pictures with no formal training and now you've got like a full service agency that also has a venture capital arm and all this other stuff. Like these are massive changes, massive shifts. How did you learn how to monetize taking pictures? I mean, let's just start there. I don't know. I'm going to be like real honest. Like, you know, you look at Google's a great resource, right? You know, you type into Google and go like, how does how much does a normal charlatan photographer make an hour? You know, that's a random number, but it's really funny that you look at it and go like, hey, you just talk to people. I also looked at photography never as an art form. And I think that actually helped me. I looked at photography as a business. So, you know, like in every industry, there's like certain, like a pet peeve that across the board is like, that's just like bothers you to your core. Well, photography, mine was, is that why does a photographer get to play God? I don't understand it because they're an artist. Okay, so imagine this, right? You and I go out and take family photos. We're running around, your kids are running around, we're walking around a major city, walking around a park, forest, whatever. Like we spend an hour and a half together. You hear my shutter click a thousand times. What gives me the ability to send you three photos? I don't know what you like. I don't, I don't sit back here and go, these are the three photos that you're gonna cherish forever. No, I'm gonna edit a hundred of them and send you a hundred. Because there might be this one photo where, you know, your significant other is behind you chasing your other little one. And one, there's this one little one where you're holding and she's looking at you with these big eyes, but you're like your significant other's a little out of focus. So on the artist side, I'm not going to send you that photo, but you might look at that photo and cherish it and put it on your desk for the rest of your life. Why would I rob you of that? Can't do it. Like to my core, I can't do it. 
So yes, am I going to take the really bad ones out? Sure. But am I going to give you options? Oh, you better believe it. Because I don't, I'm not the one to put the photo on your wall. You know, it's actually really funny. Uh, and this is going to sound like kind of like a little, like it's heavy. A great photographer told me once that the goal of any portrait is to have your photo end up at somebody's funeral. And that, when you, when that hits with that amount of pressure, that amount of weight, because that means they cherished that memory so much is that their loved ones wanted to remember them that way. And when you put that weight on anything you do from a photo or a video or anything creative, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than an artist. It's being a partner. It's being a great friend. It's being for some, it's being there to capture a moment that everybody wants to remember. And so for that, like, I was always the one who's going, you know what? I'm going to let you pick the one that you cherish, that you care about. And we still do the same thing in our company. We go in to do a photo project for a company. We'll send them 600 images. They're all edited. You can pick. You know, we'll deliver thousands of images sometimes. Just because of that's the scale of what we have, we're able to capture. It's not like we can give you our best or we can tell you that these are our favorite 50. Yes, we can. We very much do that. But like, then it's like, hey, here's the rest of it. Comb through it. You can use it for social. You can use it for really whatever. Like they're your photos. They're not ours. It's your building. It's your, it's your team. It's your culture, not ours. And if we rob you of that, we're not doing our job and we're not great partners. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. It's a different approach, man, but I, I, I see a lot of wisdom in it. And the one thing that jumps out for me is it's already captured. So what difference does it make whether you share it or, or not? I mean, you've already done Because people are afraid of being judged. Ah. Uh, Okay. Let's call it as we see it, right? If you hire me for to be an expert in my field and I send you a photo that you don't like, do, am I going to be able to give you that ability? It's internal here. It's, it, is, um, it is that fear of being judged as an expert from the person that hired you or the person that you're doing a favor for or you're giving a gift to. That fear can utterly cripple you because of the insecurity of that artist or the insecurity of the human. And that's where it's like, you got to look at it. And I, we talk about this all the time at my team. And if I could literally pass on anything to anybody is that it's like, you have to be good with when you look in the mirror and you have to own your DNA and be obsessed with your life. And that's the fundamental thing of what we're all doing, right? Like if you look into the mirror and you're good, you look in the mirror and you sit back here and say, this person is everything. I know them. They're like their core values are true and it is right for me. Then like that judgment just kind of doesn't go away, but you can kind of hold it at arm's length. And, but you know, it's there, but you're good with it. It's not like you're trying to put it out of your brain. Those insecurities, you can just hold there. It's not, they're not gone. We're all human. No one's perfect. But the reality is, is you can just put them there and go, cool. They're there. I'm good. Compared to every, when you don't see that and you don't own your being your DNA and you're not obsessed with your life, then at that point, they're going to be there and they're going to creep in and you're arguably going to be an imposter syndrome to yourself the minute you have happiness. 
And that's a game I don't want to play. And I don't want my team to play. I don't want my family to play. I don't want anyone in my circle to play. Like if I could wish anything for you is that you're obsessed with your life. Duncan, you, you made these pivots and then you, you got laser focused on growing this out and creating Littlefield. When did you realize that you had to keep going? Because I know it wasn't perfect and everything aligned all the way through the journey. The reality is, is that it's daily, right? So, um, you know, I, I was actually talking to my wife about this maybe a month ago. And my wife still like arguably doesn't know what I do either. <laughs> like, it's so funny. It's like, she sees me leave the house at, at 645 in the morning and she come, she watches me come home when I'm done with work. And uh, I love her. She's an amazing, she's an amazing human being. She makes me a better person. Um, but she like arguably still doesn't know what I do. And uh, it's so funny that we were talking um, and she asked me a lot of the time, she was like, Duncan, are you, are you doing this for the right reasons? Like, are you being called to do this? Because she watches me put like, I mean, I'm talking 16 hour days in like, no, I don't want to say 20 hour days, but like regularly 16 hour days, Monday through Sunday. And COVID taught me more than anything that I'm doing the right thing. Because the fact is that when COVID happened, we lost realistically 70% of our business within six business days when March 10th hit, whatever day it was. And this was the first time as a business owner, I had to go through a, it wasn't even a, a financial crisis, but it was a world pandemic, a health pandemic that turned into a financial crisis. And I kind of took the approach of going, this is what's going to define me as a business owner and as a mentor and as a coach and as a person, a part of companies for the rest of my life. And I had to be good with that. I had to sit with that. And what it taught me was that every morning, my feet hit the ground ready to go. And I still woke up early. I still went into the gym, you know, and I had, I had had to have hand surgery during COVID, like a bunch happened during COVID. Like it wasn't just me. And like, there's so many things that terrible things happened. But reality is, is that I woke up every morning ready to go. And I wasn't discouraged or I wasn't Sure, I was bummed because the world was going through something that I couldn't help. But the reality was, is every morning when my feet hit the ground at 5 a.m., I was ready to roll. And I was excited about my day. And I was excited to talk to my team members. And I was excited to talk to other people about how they were doing and why. I was excited to look at what our partners were doing and see if we can support them in unique ways. And for that reason, I knew I was doing it for the right reason. And so we talked about it a little while ago. And my wife asked me that kind of question again. And I, and I was like, yeah, COVID told me that I was doing the right thing for the right reasons. And I'm being called to do this because I think there's a lot of people out there right now that don't have the individual will to get through something like that. And there's, there's a bigger, there's something bigger in you. There's something bigger out there. You know, again, you know, if you're spiritual, you're not, but I know I'm doing being called to, to keep going. And uh, I'm really excited to see where it takes me because I'm just, walking the path and having gut feelings and looking at things and never saying no, unless it literally conflicts with my core values or I don't have the time. I think that's fair. I think you get a really full life by living it that way. Would you be willing to share maybe two or three of the challenges that you face on the journey and how you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's challenges every place you face and every, every corner you turn or every, every transition, every pivot, everything you talk about, there's a new challenge. And overcoming those challenges is one of the hardest things. And being 
built in your vision and built for your why is a tremendous opportunity. But I mean, those challenges are, are everywhere. You know, it's financial. It is uh, lack of commitment from certain people. It's lack of trust or support from the people that you care about or the people that you lean on. You know, it's having that inner circle that believes in you because if you're going after a big goal and that little ounce of doubt creeps in, it literally could, def- it just could disrupt everything. For me, I know I'm a, I'm a stubborn human being and uh, I don't need, I kind of joke all the time. My wife thinks I'm way too independent. Like I don't need anybody for anything. If I'm going to go get something done. I'm, I'm happy to go figure it out. It's even like you look at business now and like, you know, our COO, his name's Miller Yoho and a uh, great human being, literally the company wouldn't be where it is today without him. And uh, if we look at climbing a mountain, Miller's the person that takes one step, packs a bunch of snacks into a backpack and takes one step at a time. Me, on the other hand, I literally look at run around the bottom of the mountain and try to find pieces to build a helicopter so I can fly to the top. And that's the two differences between people. And the biggest thing you look at when you're talking about building companies and, and supporting people is that alignment. Like that alignment is everything. He knows me. He knows my DNA. I know him. I know his DNA, but we're aligned with what we're doing and why. Like absolutely critical because he knows that I'm going to work like a maniac and he knows that I'm going to really try and I'm going to, I'm going to push the boundaries even for him. Like I'm going to challenge him daily and he's going to give the same ability to challenge me daily. And he does every day. He challenges me and I'm super grateful for that because if it was just Duncan's word, like this company's bigger than me. And if I lose sight of that, we're, we're going to crumble. If it's not bigger than me, I mean, like, what else am I doing? <laughs> you got to build something bigger than you in order for it to make sense and make it worth the sacrifice. So, I, But that alignment is, is literally everything. Like, it's, it's everything. He's got to know that my goal is immense. And my goal is what I'm going to fight for. And my goal is what I see for a bigger picture. And then when we achieve that goal, he's going to know that my goal is going to even grow even larger. And I know what his goal is and it's different than mine. And I'm I'm not saying that we have to have the same goal, but I'm really, really honored. And I'm really, really fortunate to know his goal. And I'm really honored and really fortunate to know everybody on my team's goal. So I can actually build systems and build process. Actually, he'll build the process. The reality is, is I'll build the opportunity to get there and he'll build the process. And that's what it takes. Like it takes a team. It takes, it takes a uh, tribe, village, whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's all positivity and kindness and being able to regroup and huddle. But that, that right there, like looking at the goals of everybody on the roster, it's critical. It's absolutely critical to know where to expand business because if you're the only one coming up with ideas, how good are you going to be? Like that's for the longest time. I've always hated the term visionary because like somebody called me the visionary once and I was like, I don't do that. I work like I work. I don't just sit at my office and go, Hmm, what are we going to do today? Like, no, it's just like, I listen and I, I let opportunities enter my brain and I process it and I go, does that feel right? Does that sound right? Does that connect for where we're going? And then at that point, we just go execute. Like it. I like it a lot. What's been your worst fear in the process? Oh, that's actually a great question because I would love to sit back here and say failure is probably the easiest one to answer, right? 
it's going like, Hey, like failure is it. But like, you know, the reality is, is if I fail at this, I'll be okay. I've already failed at one career. Like that's okay. You know, it didn't kill me. I was bummed for a little while. Sure. Like it's like when I, when I left the game of golf, I remember my last tournament was about a two and a half hour drive back to my place. And I went through every emotion of death. I literally like started with like anger and then I was sad. And I I, like, I like, but I, when I got into my, when I parked my car and like walked up to my place, I was good. And I was at peace. It was, it was a fascinating roller coaster of two and a half hours. And I was good. It sounds so weird to say, because you do something for six years every day and you, you dedicate your life and you put everything else second to it. And I'm talking like everything, like, you know, relationships, family, like everything came second. And I literally walked away pretty easily. And I know that if I fail again, I'm going to walk away from something. But I know still on the back end of that, that's going to turn into something maybe better. It probably would be better because I failed it the first time. So at that point, it's got to be better. But I, I think the reality is that I kind of joke all the time. It's like I have a bit of imposter syndrome because like, what I know for myself is that I like to connect with people. I only give effort and I'm only looking to grow, but all of a sudden, like, what am I actually bringing to the table? You know, those, those questions creep into your head of going like, or at least mine. It's like, really, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I just talk to people all day and I'm, I love that. Like, that's my favorite thing to do, but like, I just talk to people all day. Like I'm not solving world hunger. Maybe one day that could be a byproduct of what we do. And that's kind of like, I don't want to say the goal of it, but like, that's what we want to go after. Like with having a hundred companies with a thousand employees, we can make a serious impact on this world. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what that impact is. But the reality is, is that we can just impact one person at a time and let that be the ripple effect. Because if that one person becomes obsessed with their life, like super jacked, like everything they wanted and more waking up every day with like the green light on, dude, that's going to spread. That's going to spread. So like a, a fear, like, I don't know. My fear maybe is this is all going to go away, but like, I'm going to work really hard for it to not. Got it. All right. Has there been a point when everything's been on the line for you? Did you hit that? Rock bottom? No, no, no. Um, and that's probably a, that's probably a different answer than what people would, would expect because the reality is like, sure. It has like things like financially been on the line. Yeah. Like, Sure but financially is not everything. It is a critical part of it. It is a requirement attached to it. But the reality is, is I knew we were going to be okay. Like even when all that pressure sat on us by losing 70% of business in the, in the early part of COVID, I realistically knew. And I re- like, like without an ounce of doubt, I knew we were going to be okay. It might look different for the next six months or a year or however long this lasts. But the reality is, is that like I knew we were going to be okay. And I knew I was going to always be able to provide. I was always going to be able to support the people that I care about and I love for. Because the unique thing about being a business owner and the unique thing about being an entrepreneur, if you want to call me that, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I'm a guy who loves what he does. Is that I have more job security than anybody working at a major bank or an industry. Because somebody can walk in and go, hmm, you're not the person we need for that role anymore. Where me, like, I'll always find a way to make money. I'll always find the way to impact somebody or hopefully impact somebody or in a positive way, but I'll always find a way. Always will find a way to do something cool or do something that I love. 
it's actually really funny when my dad and I were talking maybe like two months ago, I don't know how we got on this conversation, but he, but I asked him the question of like, was I a pain in the ass when I was a kid? And he looks at me and he was like, yeah, you kind of were. And I was like, okay, why? And he goes, whenever you didn't want to do something, you didn't want to do it. But the reality is, is you were always fair, but you thought that you always had a better idea to make everybody happy. So you were problem solving time to be able to then get what you wanted, even though like, it's just like everybody else wanted it the other way, but you thought it was a better idea. And unfortunately, sometimes you were right. Sometimes you were dead wrong, but it was a matter of like, I like, he's like, I couldn't give in all the time because of what you needed to learn. And I'm, I'm fortunate that he taught me that, but I'm also fortunate that he let me do some of it because I was able to then at that point at a young age, understand where people's priorities went and understand where my priorities went. And that was super, I mean, it's benefiting me today, I believe. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So (laughs) Duncan, what are you most grateful for? I'm grateful for a lot. I really am. I'm really grateful for a lot. I am. I'm grateful that my parents have always believed in me. I'm grateful that my parents showed me that effort was the most important thing I can give. I'm grateful that my parents showed me that the life that where I grew up wasn't the real world. And there was a lot of people out there who, who were hurting. There was a lot of people out there who needed help. And there was a lot of opportunity in the world. I'm grateful for my wife that she allows me and like puts up with my wild antics and still wants to hang out with me. I'm super grateful for my team. And the fact is, is that we have a very large goal. You know, I have a large goal as a human being, um, personally, professionally, and I'm super grateful that they allow me to do it or uh, I can't, I'm not doing it now, but they allow me to run after it full steam without trying to slow me down. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy you'll meet because the reality is I've technically lived three dream jobs and it's, it's fascinating to think that more people aren't doing it. And I, I remember it's actually, it's actually funny. It was, a, it was um, maybe four months into the Littlefield company, um, which is the engine behind little engine behind Littlefield um, and everything else we're doing. But uh, so we started Littlefield company and we bootstrapped it. Um, just had an idea, like just had an idea of what to do. Like six months prior, and this is four months into the company. I didn't even know how to operate a video camera. Like that's like no joke. Like I didn't even know how to edit. Like I didn't even know how, what premiere was. I only took photos. And then all of a sudden I was like, we need to do, we need to be doing video. And we pivoted super hard. And I'm super grateful that we did. But um, I remember calling a bunch of people because at that point we had a staff of about four. And um, I called a bunch of people that I really trusted. And I said, why me? Why are people leaving their jobs with salaries, full-time salaries and benefits and all to work for me with a little idea? And the, the, the unique answer attached to it was that because they can't do it for themselves and you're the one able to do it. And I arguably like kind of like came back to my team. And like, after that was the collective answer across the board, it was like, okay, like I want to know why, because I've never had a boss before I've worked for myself. I've never really had a boss in a career. I've had coaches and I've had mentors, but I've never had a boss. I was really fortunate to hear some answers back of like, yeah, like we can't do it right now. And like for that fact, it gave me more motivation to go figure it out for them and to be able to pour into them, to be able to then like li- have them live their dream jobs one day, even if they left the company 
in six months or left the company in six years or whatever. Because if that like gave them the opportunity to be super unbelievably thankful and happy for their own life, well, then I'm in. I'll have turnover like crazy if everyone's happy. <laughs> and I'm and I'm good with that. It's so like, I mean, realistically, I was a professional golfer. Like people gave me the ability to play professional golf for a living, like chase a little white golf ball around the world for a while and then be a full-time photographer. And then at that point, start a video company that's turning into a holding company that our goal is to raise, to have a hundred employees or excuse me, a hundred companies with a hundred employees. Dude, I'm the luckiest guy you'll meet. Beautiful. Gratitude is a great place to come from, man. And I think the people that are on your team are grateful to have you leading them, right? Somebody who values and appreciates them and wants the best for them, even if it's not what's best for you. I think that's the true mark of a leader and somebody who's going to make a big big impact on the world and make a real difference and not somebody who's keeping the status quo going. So, you know, kudos to you, Duncan, for having the courage to pivot, step out of the matrix and go do those things that most people aren't willing to do, man. That That's huge. It's phenomenal. And um, I don't think enough people are doing it. So thank you for being that social proof. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate you saying that. Like that means a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. The final question for this interview, and it's been a wild one, so I, I don't know if you're going to be able to get it done, but I believe in you. What's the one thing you want people to take away from our conversation today? Be obsessed with your life. No question about it. If I can pass anything along to my kids, anything along to my wife, anything along to anyone that walks in these doors, I know I don't have all the answers. And I know I'm not perfect. And this isn't me preaching. This isn't me, you know, at the, at the top of the mountain yelling down. The one thing I know is that if you're obsessed with your life, life is so much fun. And it offers doors and offers opportunities that you never thought possible because you're more willing to say yes. And you're also more willing to say no, because you know what you're going after. You know, your alignment, you know, your DNA, you know, like for us, like our core values at Littlefield and the Littlefield company and every other company that's going to come under our umbrella is positivity, be your DNA, show up for each other and bring your best. That's it. I try to do those four things every day. And me being obsessed with my own life because I'm fortunate that I have a family that supports me. I'm fortunate that I have a team that believes in what we're doing. I have a, I'm fortunate for a team that loves what they do and they actually care about it. If you can be obsessed with your own life, like, you know, a, a great friend of mine once, once said to me, there's no point of trying to be somebody else because everybody else is already taken. And it's true. If you figure out what, what makes you tick, it, you figure out what makes you turn on the on switch every morning when you wake up, it's special. It's really special. And I, and I would love nothing more for everybody to be obsessed with their life in whatever they do. There's no judgment from, from my end. There's no judgment for anybody. If you're obsessed with your life, judgment be damned. Because like you're really happy with what you're doing and why. And kudos to you because you just solved the puzzle. Happiness is the ROI of life. So why not be obsessed with it to make it a little easier to be happy? 
Wow. I've never heard anybody say happiness is the ROI of life. That's phenomenal. I mean, think about it. Like, look at it from a high level. Like, what else What else are you trying to do? It's not money. It's, it's it maybe a little bit of impact for certain people. It's, but if you're, but if you're happy, you're going to give back, you're going to make impact. You're going to have great relationships with your family. You're going to have great relationships with your friends. You're going to, you're going to make money because the reality is, is that people want to be around positivity <laughs> and you're going to do your job better, which is then going to be able to climb you up the ladder and in, in, in that corporate structure, if you, if you're in that zone. But the reality is, is if you're happy with in your own life, I'm like what else is there? Happiness is the ROI. You put everything in to be happy. Got it. Duncan, this was a phenomenal episode, man. I look forward to continuing to our relationship. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks. Dude, I can't wait. Thank you for having me. Um, everything you're doing here is special. Um, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I feel it. I know our other conversations, I, I've gotten to know you more. And um, I'm really, really excited for everything you're doing, dude. So keep going. I'm proud of you. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. So thanks for having me. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, buddy. See you soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.